This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Why, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Headlines. To kick off 2021, we are talking to Kelly Frick. She is the Senior Director of News at MLive, and we're going to dive into the right to be forgotten. You do something at some point in your life, and it gets published, and now you want to get it removed. How does that work? When does it work? And how do you do that? We dive in next on Behind the Headlines. All right, let's jump into it. As I said, the guest for this week is Kelly Frick. She's the Senior Director of News and my co-host, as always, Vice President of Content for MLive.com, John Heiner. John, Happy New Year and may this first month of 2021 be, in fact, that first month and not month 13 of 2020. <laughs> Amen, Eric. Thank you to you and Happy New Year. It's good to be back. Um, we did, uh, I think, 28 episodes last year. Something uh, like that, 28, 29, yeah. 28, and we covered the gamut, and somehow we did not solve all of 2020's problems. So <laughs> we'll give it another go here in 2021. Um, you know, looking back on last year, the topics that we covered, uh, which all have to do with journalists and journal journalists doing their work, uh, the ones that were most downloaded, the ones that my columns were most read, were really went into decisions we make as journalistic leaders about what gets covered, how we present it, and how we allow access to content. And the two that were most popular last year were when we stopped commenting on stories. Um, that, that was the number one red column I had last year. But the second one, the, the most downloaded podcast was when we stopped the routine, routine use of mugshots with crime stories. And that really struck a chord with people. I think a lot of people have had personal experience uh, with being in newspapers or being in the media. And so we had a lot of reaction to that. And uh, the person who's at the nexus of all these decisions for us, who, who oversees all of our news coverage is Kelly Frick, our senior director of news. And uh, I'd like to have her on today to talk about a, a growing trend in journalism and media in general about people's uh, so-called right to be forgotten and privacy and, and the, the legacy of news stories that follow them uh, when they've been in the news in, in prior years. And, you know, I'm just going to leave it to Kelly to kind of set the stage for this because it's more common than you may think uh, because the internet is so ubiquitous. We've written ten, tens of thousands of stories a year. Those things live now forever where they used to live in microfilm in a, in a library somewhere. Uh, people just tap their keyboard and it comes up. So, you know, without further ado, I'd like to uh, introduce Kelly and, and let her kind of set the stage for the discussion we're going to have today. Well, thanks, John. Good to see you, Eric. Good to see you. Um, this is a really good topic for January because January tends to be the month when I get a lot of emails and phone calls and requests from people to have posts on our website deleted. And I, I think it's a little bit because January is the month when we all kind of clean house and people Google themselves and they, they start to see the amount of comments, the amount of content that's out on the internet about themselves. And so 
this is the month when I get the onslaught of requests. And um, I, I say I get them because eventually they all filter to me. They may start with a reporter or an editor in one of our local hubs, but eventually they come to me as the final deciding factor as to whether or not we're going to delete content. And they run the gamut. Um, some of them, I don't know why they need the content removed. For instance, um, you know, someone who played high school tennis wants all of their statistics removed from our website. I don't know why. And, and when I ask, because we do a lot of follow-up, we ask a lot of questions before we make any decision. Um, sometimes it's just they don't want any history of themselves on the internet, which is really difficult in this day sure. and age. Um, the right to be forgotten is kind of the, the phrase that gets used a lot because the European Union has an actual law, um, the right to be forgotten, that really is about you. they don't want you to be defamed on the internet. So you can request, you can sue to have content removed. We don't have such a law in the United States. And um, John can talk a little bit more about why we probably don't have that particular law. It has a lot to do with his favorite topic, the First Amendment. Uh, but go we First really Amendment. Go First Amendment. <laughs> um, but, you know, years ago, um, we, were, we really didn't take down very much content. Um, it was the, the norm was if we wrote it, it was important enough to stay on the Internet. As time has gone on and there's more content out there and the thinking has really changed is does every piece of content that we've ever written need to stay up on on the internet and we've made the decision that no not everything it continues to be relevant sometimes um, people make mistakes and they pay the price and they've they've atoned for it they've done the the jail time or community service. And it's just, we feel like it's no longer relevant. So, so you, get, we, you get the phrase, if, if you do the crime, you got to do the time. But there's two aspects to that. Like one, what constitutes a relevant crime? And second, the nature of time gets really warped when you have the internet that operates at every dimension 24 um, seven with web, web spiders crawling all over the place. And, and, you know, even Kelly's even pointed out sometimes when you take articles down, the headline lives on in indexing and shows up in, in search results. So right. um, these were Kelly and I, I won't uh, name years, but we've been around a while and we were working together when it was just newspapers. You know, the internet was just this notion that, you know, college professors were communicating on. Um, we're not that old, but anyways, um, we're, we're getting pretty we're, old, we're getting are, there. but we, we would go to work and it was a one dimensional linear kind of experience where you'd report the news, a lot of it based on the, the way you'd always done it. You publish it in the newspaper and you move on to the next day. And, you know, it became archival the next day. It was literally in the morgue of your building or in the library. And so these things just didn't have this uh, echo chamber that they lived in forever. Um, the other thing I think, Kelly, I'll just ask you this. Do you think uh, social media has compounded this in some ways? Or is it just the ruthless efficiency of the Internet getting better every year? I think it's a little bit of both, but it definitely social media has um, made this more important for people to get some of their content removed. Um, you know, Facebook comments 
if you ever look at them, are awful. They're terrible. And I think that has made people more sensitive to having any information about themselves out on on the internet. Um, it's, you know, I, you know, since this is behind the headlines, I'll tell you a little bit about how difficult this is as a news organization to deal with. And then, John, I want you to talk a little bit about what Cleveland is doing, because I think it's an interesting experiment. But when we started getting a lot of requests to take down com content, um, we started with just taking a look at each piece of information and what they wanted taken down, what we could do. We had discussions about it. And that's pretty much every single request that comes in gets that kind of treatment. So sometimes people will say, can you take it down today? And I'll say, no, it's going to be at least a week or two because we need to research it. We need to see if you have any other content that's on our website or out there in other, and other news sites. Um, we, we discuss it. We see if there's a precedent that's going to be um, put out there. So every request is individually taken a look at, and not just by me, but by a group. And it, it, that group varies based on whether it's a crime story or a sports story. But we take a look at every single one and make a decision based on really what we think is the right thing to do. There isn't a criteria. There's nothing out there that says these are the things that you have to remove. So it's very time consuming, um, but it's a I think a very important job for us to take a look at each of those primarily because what I say to a lot of people when I, when I send them the note back that says, we're not going to remove this piece of content. It's usually because we feel that that content tells part of the community's story that we need to keep that as part of a record for the community, because that is still part of our role, even though we, um, have a lot more content online than we do in print anymore. Um, and the other reason is sometimes it's to protect the public. There are people who have um, really done some horrible crimes. And uh, I think part of um, keeping that content out there is to make sure that people can find it and find someone who may be a predator that um, we, we just don't feel comfortable removing every piece of content like that. Kelly, can you give us a sense of the scale of that, right? Because what I do for a living deals mostly in the social mediums. And, you know, when you run an ad, let's say for Facebook, it's audited first by AI. And if it flags it for whatever reason, then you have to request a Kelly Frick to look at it and make a decision with that tribunal of humans. But for you, as you said, it's, it's a human decision done by a human tribunal. But, like, give people a sense of how many times a year not a perfect number, but what's the scale of this? Oh, I get a request at least once a day. So on average, I would say we're looking at anywhere between five and 10 requests a week. Wow. So it's, it is, it's a lot. Some of them are really easy and we make a decision very quickly. Um, I'll give you an example. Somebody who was 17 who uh, vandalized uh, a wall in Ann Arbor and they, you know, went through the court system because it was a very public vandalism. Maybe we wrote about it at the time, um, but they were 17 and now they're 28. And 
we take a look at that they haven't had any other issues, that feels like a youthful mistake. And they were probably put through the, the Holmes Act, which allows for young people to have their records expunged. Um, and so that's something that we'll, we'll make a pretty quick decision and say, we're gonna take that piece of content down. Um, another one though, maybe um, a doctor who pled no contest to you know, some kind of sexual assault um, that seemed, you know, maybe it was a touching um, type of, of um, uh, charge and they pleaded no contest, which is totally within their right. And it's not a, an admission of guilt, but it's used that way uh, for sentencing purposes. And this is actually a, a real example that I'm giving. Um, the doctor then moves out of the country, but wants the content removed from our website. Well, the person did do the, you know, they didn't say they were guilty. They didn't go through a court system. However, it feels like maybe that's a really relevant piece of content that needs to stay up. Um, and that's a judgment call. Not everybody is going to make the same judgment. Um, and so there's varying degrees of things. Um, the young woman who um, was at a Halloween party at a bar in Grand Rapids, and we went and took photos of the Halloween party, and she was dressed as Thing 2, and it was a very sexy outfit. And now she's, you know, 35 and a mother of two kids and has a, an accounting job, and she really doesn't want that photo of herself from, you know, when she was 21 on the internet. Well, it was relevant at the time. Is it relevant now? Probably not. So those, those kinds of things, we take some of that content down, but it is, it's every day something a little bit different. Some of them are very serious crimes and some of them seem kind of silly um, and we have to make a judgment call. And one of the, the ones that I think John will remember that was really taxing for us to think about was a high school softball player who lost in, I think, the state championship. And it was a picture of her crying with her teammates. And admittedly, she was ugly crying because it was a really emotional mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. um, and a couple years after that, she contacted us and said, I hate this photo. I looked at <laughs> the photo. Please take it down. But it was an emotional photo from a state championship softball game. And we cover these kinds of things all of the time. It was, it was part of the record of the community and what happened to this team. And it showed the emotion. Um, so, yeah, she didn't look great, but it was, it was, um, it was part of that, that the it's, photos of the game. It tells, and, uh, it's the story itself. Yeah. yeah. And it was most it's emblematic image and half of the Pulitzer prize winning photos out there, the people in them probably, you know, next year want to take them down because they, they show human drama and emotion. So um, one thing the dimension here that I think is kind of it's probably obvious, but it's important is a lot of the things that Kelly deals with on these requests come from an era when we had a lot more staff. Um, we used to cover crime blogs, like every, yeah, there was a person's job to go through the crime log in a sad community like Jackson and make a list of all the police, you know, the major the blotter at the time it was a police blotter is what it was called. We also did divorces. We did, you know, business licenses and people going out of business and bankruptcies and 
that was the grist of a community that showed what was happening. And people were used to that granular level of information. But the other thing, you know, and as, we, as we have diminished in size, we focused more on what we feel is more relevant, issue-driven news and enterprise and things like that. We cover crime because it's, it's an important topic in community. We don't cover it quite the same way, but we're making more decisions on the front end about what constitutes a story. So I, I think, you know, five years from now, we'll probably may get fewer requests because we'll have less of this stuff out there. One that struck me was Kelly and I started working in Ann Arbor. Uh, we came down here maybe eight years ago. Um, and a few years ago, we got a request from a guy who in 2009 or 10, uh, maybe even 2007, he was a teenager and he defecated on a police car and they wrote about it. And I, I looked at that and said, would we write about that today? You know, I, I'm not sure we would. And so that I don't think that decision was hard as some of the ones we have to make uh, where, say, a financial counselor is his swindled, you know, elderly clients. You might right. want to know if that guy still has his license that he's out there. But anyways, we're the the context here is that we used to do things in a different way because we had more resources and we're dealing with the consequences of that because all that content stays out there. It's, it's still on the internet. <clears throat> Kelly had mentioned Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland is, is also cleveland.com is owned by our company, our parent company, advanced local. And they made a decision a couple of years ago to start a process for the right to be forgotten, to become formalized in their news operation. Uh, anyways, uh, they announced a few years ago that they would start internal discussion groups and they would consider each request and they, they publicized that so the public could could reach out to them and say, I've been named in a story and so forth. In the past year, and they just announced this before Christmas, they've teamed with Google. They got a Google grant to use Google's technology to automatize the process of finding stories that might you know, to, to do it um, proactively without requests from readers to start looking for the nature of stories that they have been uh, delisting and taking down from the internet. Uh, they also are going to use software that helps find uh, prior stories that have mugshots in them so that they can automatically even remove mugshots from stories. And if we go back to that for just a second, one of the reasons that we made the decision to not use mugshots in a routine way is because, uh, well, there were several reasons we listed, but one was it skews racially towards minorities. It casts people in a, in a light when they've been arrested without even being charged. Um, they could be inebriated. They could have been in a dispute with somebody. It could have been in an accident. Um, we don't think the, the, the face of that person tells the story uh, of an entire court process. And so we, we didn't think on balance, it was fair. And that, that arose from internal discussions that we've had with our own employees um, about uh, equity and diversity in reporting. Anyways, Cleveland is teamed with Google. We'll see how this works, but they're taking an aggressive, uh, proactive stance in which they'll go out and take things down without requests. They also are going to be publicizing this in a way that invites the public to contact them and almost automatically will remove stories that fall under certain criteria. Uh, Kelly and I have discussed this. I don't think we're at that point yet because I think subjective judgment is, is still important. But Kelly, what do you what do you what's your take on on, on the more formal process that Cleveland is? is I, well, I, I'm I'm watching it very carefully because I think it's 
probably where we're all going to be going as news organizations in the future. You know, when you, when you talked about the mugshots, the, the thing that all of this has to do with is being more thoughtful. And the internet really has made us be more thoughtful as a news organization. When we do stories now, we do have to think about how is this going to per be perceived a year from now or five years from now? Is this story important enough to write about it in this particular way? Um, and I'll give you a good example of this. There was a, let's say a 7-Eleven or a, a gas station grocery mart that was robbed. Um, and it was an interesting, and I forget the particulars. It was like the robber took donuts, right? And, and it was just kind of a funny little story. Um, and we could have put in the name of the suspect and put all of the particular things in there. And we talked about it and said, the story isn't really about who robbed the 7-Eleven. That person's going to go into the system and, and all of that. The story's actually just a really funny story about a robber going in and only taking donuts. So we wrote the story, but we didn't put a, a, the name in the story. Um, I, it, it, he, this is one of those things where I don't know if everything we're doing is exactly right. Um, I feel really good about our decision to do take out mugshots. Um, the right to be forgotten has a lot of gray areas. And, um, you know, John and I were talking a little bit this morning before we, we came on the podcast about times when we name people and when we don't. And um, I, I think you have to give the example of the, the baseball game, John. And, you know, when every decision we make has to be thoughtful, but we don't always make the right decision. Let's give Eric, I'll give this Eric the scenario and see what Eric would do. Yes, sure. this is a good one. Eric, we're going to make you the editor. Okay. State championship baseball game. Uh, I believe it was Pinconi High School. We were up in Bay City. Oh, you're giving all of the details. All uh, right. I won't name names, but we'll see what <laughs> Eric would do here. Last, the uh, final inning of the game, uh, Pinconi's leading the game by a run or two. I think the bases are loaded for the opponents. There's two outs. Batter hits a long drive to center field. The center fielder, who's like an all-league or all-state caliber player, he's really good. He breaks in instead of backwards, turns around, Goes, you know, manically running backwards, dives, ball bounces off his glove. All the runs score. Pinconning loses the game, right? So, writer, original draft of the story, does not name the center fielder. Just says the center fielder missed the ball. All right? That's not the way it was published. I mean, we had a discussion. Hey, you know you're giving me too much information. <laughs> Eric. I want to see, see Eric, what Eric would do in that situation. Here's the thing. It's a, it's a game story. But we're also talking about high school kids. Do you name the center fielder who made the error? So here's how I'll answer the question. When you're telling that story at a cocktail party, maybe the name is interesting because maybe there's a connective tissue to it. But because it's a high school kid, no, I probably wouldn't have published the name. That said, it's a part of the story in the same way that every sports drama has the bill buckner moment right like right. you know right. it's got that moment to it so the name is important in certain circles but maybe in a public forum not so much well we named the kid <laughs> <laughs> well the, the 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 writer's argument was everybody in town already knows who it is everyone who really cares knows who it is but i my feeling was we have an obligation to give essential details and answer the questions that come up in readers' minds, the obvious questions, 
It's who's the who, center fielder? Who, who? When you get to the end of the story, you're like, well, he, I kept waiting for the name. Who, who was that person? It's not like I'm going to go to their house and, and vandalize their house because they dropped the ball. But I think I remember my baseball coach telling me, you can't hide out there on the field. If you're, if you're not a good fielder, the ball's going to find you. <laughs> so um, it, we were talking about this, Kelly and I, is some sports, you know, the kids are out there. If you're the quarterback and you throw that interception, um, you know, Saturday in Rockford and they run it back to win the game, the quarterback's name is going to be in the story. Yeah. Um, I think that this is unpleasant but, for the lay, per, the, the lay person finds a lot of things that journalists do to be unpleasant for people. And I, I think that it's sometimes the nature of the business, but the overwhelming number of our readers want to know the details and our and obligations Eric, to the reader. I, well, I agree. And this is, I think, what makes this a really interesting topic. And sure. I wish that we could say that it, here's all of the rules and this is what we go by, but it's all about individual judgment. And that example of the baseball game people may split down the middle. Some people will say, well, of course you name him, you know, that he was one of the players you named other players. You have to name him. And then Eric, you're like, well, maybe it's not relevant. It just needs, you just need to know that the center fielder dropped the ball. So these are not easy discussions. They're not easy decisions to make. And I think that it's something that as we go on, we'll continue to maybe hone some things that seem easier to, to delete off of the internet. And then there's still going to be those times when it's a judgment call and we're just not sure. Um, right now, I will say that when we really have a tough decision to make, we tend to say, let's leave it up for right now. And um, there's actually one that I, I had a, um, someone write to me and say he wanted something that was a, a, some, a criminal case he wanted removed from the site, but it had only happened a year ago. And it was, I wouldn't say that, that it was a serious crime, but it was enough so that I just didn't feel comfortable taking it down. But I told him in two more years, um, you know, write it on your calendar and send me another request because I might feel differently when there's more time that's passed and maybe you haven't done anything and you've now led a great life. And, and now that piece of content no longer feels relevant. But right now, in the moment, it still does. And I think that there's a lot of cases where even with the center fielder, as time goes on and it's 20 years from that game, do you need to know who the center fielder is? Right. Maybe you do. Maybe the center fielder ended up being the governor of Michigan. You know, those are the kinds of things that when you, when you take down content, um, it doesn't just make a difference to that person. It makes a difference to the public in general and in various ways that you cannot predict. And, and one important thing to address is that we exist and kind of like the, our mission and reason for being is, is to pursue information with transparency from public agencies to go. We just won a FOIA battle. It took six months in Ann Arbor to get police discipline records that the police oversight commission couldn't even get. And so, I mean, this is what we believe is part of our mission is to get information. However, I will point out that doesn't mean every piece of information that we go after or get is for publishing. The information we're after gets to see if it's newsworthy. So anyone who comes back and says, aha, you know, you demand information, but you don't publish it all. This, this Kelly's, um, she's talking about in terms of subjectivity, story by story, 
is what we already do with every story. We've pursued documents via FOIA that we've gotten and said, there's no story here. Right. That's a, those are uh, individual judgments we make on a story by story basis. Go ahead, Eric. You had a question. Well, I was going to say, Kelly, you started this by referencing the law in Europe of the right to be forgotten that evolved into the general data protection regulation where you can now have your pixel removed from websites right. and, and those sorts of things, which then evolved into the CCPA in California for the same sort of like GDPR light. And I would love to get the sense from the two of you is if you think something like that when it bumps up against the First Amendment will become a law that you'll have to abide by at some point anyway. As you're continuing to do this, as Cleveland's using AI to help them do that, will you see law catch up to the technology at some point? Or will the First Amendment stand tall? I think that the First Amendment is still going to be important. But yes, I absolutely think that there will be some kind of law in, in some way, shape, or form that will help us better uh, decide. And, and I'm... I, I wouldn't say that I'm like welcoming it, but I think that it's probably necessary in this age. And it doesn't just mean news organizations. It's also social media where, you know, it's like the Wild West. And um, so I think that, yes, eventually law will um, catch up. And there's already been legislation that's been um, proposed um, that hasn't really gone anywhere yet. But, yeah, I, I definitely think so. John, don't you do you agree? Well, first of all, I think the First Amendment, the protections of the First Amendment for, for press freedom have withstood lots and lots of challenges. I mean, Trump and others have said they want them weakened, uh, but courts all the way up to the Supreme Court have, have consistently um, upheld the right of the press to publish information. We are responsible for what we publish. So I think what you've also seen, though, is some sharpening of defamation laws or punishments for defamation, things like that. I my take on this is like what California did is to put more of obligations on businesses and uh, commercial enterprises to protect data. And so everyone's sharpening their knives for Google and Facebook. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the laws that get passed state by state are going to start coming after businesses and particularly those two and put more obligations on them. I can't even fathom like how many people Google had to hire after the GDRP was was passed in Europe so they could get in there and write software and delist things and country by country too. The, these geo filters have to go by country. So I think you're going to see more of that geared towards Facebook and Google and also uh, sanctions on companies that don't protect consumer data. I think for us for now, I think you're going to see more action like what you're seeing in Cleveland, number one. And number two, I think you're going to see more laws on a state-by-state -state basis that, that close the funnel at the top. And that is they're going to decriminalize more things. They're going to seal more court records. And Pennsylvania just passed the clean slate bill that like gives people automatic, it automatically just clears the slate on certain crimes. Now that doesn't mean when the crime occurs that the press wouldn't write about it. But I think we would, Kelly and I would take into account if Michigan passed that kind of law, we'd say, what's the sense of writing something that you know it's going to be expunged in six months if you have good behavior and we have to follow up on it right, right. If, if you write about it publicly and name somebody in six months am i going to tell the reporter put this on your calendar six months from now and go down to the courthouse no i think that just like the legalization of marijuana changes the way that we wrote about marijuana there still are marijuana crimes but they have to be really large scale um i think to be to merit coverage
you know? Well, and I think that one of the things that there, there are certain loopholes that people don't always think of in the state of Michigan, there is the, the Holmes Act, which allows for um, a judge to expunge a young person's record um, for crimes that they committed anywhere between, you know, the ages of 17 to, I think it's all the way to 24. But the, the law doesn't mean that we can't write about it. So frequently I will get people who ask for content to be deleted. And I think the, the kid who defecated on the police car was, was one of them. Um, his record has been expunged from the, the state of Michigan, right? But we still had it on our site and there's no legal obligation for us to take that down. So it was a personal decision. We talked about it um, and we decided to take it down. But there are loopholes like that where it doesn't mean just because you no longer have a record that it doesn't exist somewhere on the Internet. I've had people come and tell me that that the crime actually didn't happen because it's been expunged. And I I picked, you know, picked up a a newspaper or a virtual newspaper. I said, I don't know. It looks like (laughs) according to the Bay City Times, it looks like it happened on February 3rd, 2010. But. Um, hey, one thing I think would be really useful or, or helpful, two things, Kelly, for our readers would be one, walk through what a typical exchange with you is and a request, mm-hmm. you know, and also then what should people do if they feel like this is something they want to pursue now because there's reputation attorneys out there, something that you've pointed out. So why don't you just walk through what the kind of exchange is, how to reach you and, and what kind of information you need. But also some tips for people who are, you know, to, to yeah. tell them what we, we, we typically do. So first of all, their request has to be in writing, which is email. Um, I don't accept a phone call. I need to have something in writing so I can go ahead and pursue um, what we need to look at. Um, the link or links to their story has to be included. And then I like to a little bit of a narrative. Tell me why you want this removed. Um, you know, maybe it has a particular impact, particularly the weird ones, like a photo of you in your, your sexy Halloween costume. Why does, why is it important for this to be removed from the internet? Um, I usually have follow-up questions um, because sometimes something isn't completely clear to me why a photo should, or a, or a piece of content should be removed. Um and then sometimes if, if it seems pretty cut and dry, I make the decision, but frequently I will go back and put together a small group of people to help work through um, whether that needs to be you know, removed or not. So for instance, maybe a local editor, maybe the reporter that was involved who may have some background knowledge. Um, frequently, particularly in criminal cases, we'll go back into the records and make sure that the record has been expunged, or maybe there's additional information that's out there that we need to know. Um, So we do a a lot of homework before we make the final decision in most cases. Um, The most important thing to remember is to send me an email kfrick at mlive.com. Reputation attorneys frequently find me. And what I would say to someone who's hiring a reputation attorney is understand that the same rules apply. You can contact me yourself or your reputation attorney can contact me, but it's the exact same process. And I'm just as likely to say no to an attorney as I am to an individual if there really is a good reason to keep that content on the internet. 
So um, before you go out and hire a reputation attorney, um, at least try um, sending the email yourself. Now, the one thing I will say about reputation attorneys, and I've dealt with a lot of really good ones, is sometimes that this information is in multiple locations. It may have been a crime that got picked up by multiple news organizations. TV stations and radio stations all have websites now. So that content might be in a lot of different locations. So a lot of times reputation attorneys kind of are there to make sure that they get every piece of information and um, work with a lot of different agencies to try to get that down. Um, that said, just because a TV station takes something down doesn't mean we do. There's, it's always an individual decision um, based on every news organization and um, say, and also social media is, you know, we talked about that earlier. This information can be on social media as well. Um, for us at MLive, when we take down a piece of content, we also remove it from any social media that we would have um, potentially published it on. Typically, that means Facebook and Twitter for us, um, but we will go and find it and take it down from our social media accounts as well. Yeah, I'm not knocking social or uh, reputation attorneys uh, because they'll also do other things like help you write a bunch of posts uh, that they put out on the internet to try to water down the the indexing on, on Google. The, the only problem there is MLive's indexing power is so <laughs> massive that our, our stuff tends to rise to the top. Um, but, but they'll write articles and do other things to try to, you know, um, but at the same time, when Kelly gives them an ultimate decision and says, no, they usually go, okay, thank you. <laughs> I mean, there's, it's not like they can go to court and get us to take a story down. So. Correct. Yeah. I mean, the, we're, the, we're talking about, these are posts that are accurate, right? We're not talking about sure. the, the, the posts where we've somehow made a mistake. Those get changed, obviously. We always want to be accurate. We're talking about these are posts where someone says, yeah, I know I did do all of those things, but I just don't want it on the internet anymore. Um, so yeah, reputation attorneys definitely have their place, but I would say if it's just one story or one photo, the best policy is to just reach out to me on an individual basis. Well, this is a fascinating topic. Um, it's fascinating for us too. It, I mean, I, I think our, our readers are always interested when we share uh, how we form policies and use judgments to present news. But this is one that's that's really dynamic. It's it's alive. It's growing. Um, I'll be watching with interest our colleagues in Cleveland with their experiment with Google. Um, but just because we we don't have a uh, you know, a formal publicly announced process doesn't mean that we're not dealing with this every day and we do. So for those listeners who have heard this and uh, want to uh, contact Kelly, it's kfrick at mlive.com. And I can tell you she's thorough, but fair. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Firm, firm but fair. I I will tell you right now, when we leave, I have three in my inbox right now to deal with. So Eric, you had asked how prevalent this is. It's pretty prevalent. So I'll be making, I will be taking a look at three requests today. Well, thanks for joining us today, Kelly. Um, Thank you for having me. And happy new year again, Eric. I look forward to a 2021 that is nothing like 2020 whatsoever. 
And there they go. A huge thanks to Kelly for joining us on episode one of 2021 Behind the Headlines. As always, here's what you can do for John and I. If you like the podcast, review it wherever you are getting your podcasts. And you can go one step further and share it with people who might be into what we're doing. As always, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Hulkerin. And this is Behind the Headlines.